following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Happy 2020. You know, somebody told me the other day when you sign your checks now, if you have a checking account, if you sign your checks now, you need to put 2020, not just one, 12, 20, but 2020. And so, of course, I'm going to ask why. And somebody told me that they might put 2015 on there. What if they put 2015 on there? That check won't cash. I'm just going to keep writing 1, 12, 20. Thank you very much. That, that's, that's the commercial. Amen. Are you glad to be in church today? Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun? First of the year. Wow. And you that are next door, we celebrate you, and we're building a church that can house you in the very near future. It's going to be done this year. We have an overflow next door in the chapel. What a joy. Come on, give them a great hand. Give them a great hand. Next door, they're worshiping next door. And, and what a joy to see all of you. Uh, my name is Rex. I, I'm senior pastor here. I'm not a senior. I hadn't gotten there yet. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm trying to get there as slow as I can. I'm running like the turtle that race the hair. I'm running as slow as I can to get there. I'm like Brad. Jogging's not my business, but walking real slow is my business. But I love people, and uh, that was me at the door. If you're a first-time guest, we welcome you. We thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. We believe that God loves people. We believe that God cares for people, and we believe that God is for people. We started last week with a, with a, with a thing called Emmanuel is greater than Ichabod. And we talked about the Ark of the Covenant that housed the glory of God that was taken back in the days of Eli when he was the priest. And the, the daughter-in-law of Eli, giving birth to a son, named that boy Ichabod because she said the glory's departed. But what she didn't realize was in that very same house of God was a young boy learning how to live for God named Samuel that would anoint two kings, Saul and then David. And David was anointed, and through his lineage came the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came as Emmanuel. The Old Testament called him Emmanuel, which means simply God with us. I'm here to tell you, God with us is greater than the glory has departed in our life. God is with us. So we took those things and put them on a refrigerator. We're going to kind of pick up there where we left off last week, and we're going to talk a little bit today on this subject. Everybody say, miracles happen. Do you believe that? Do you believe in miracles? Do you believe it's more than just watching a miracle on TV? Do you believe that miracles really happen? Miracles happen. I want to I want to declare that I am I am doing a, a a life group this year. I called it the 180, and I'm I'm asking for 180 men to join me, and we're going to have a 180 class, and it's going to be a fun fun time. It will all won't meet at the same time, but we'll break it down into segments. And you'll be able to come perhaps a couple of times to that. But we'd love to have you join in. So go about and sign up for Pastor Rex's uh, life group. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. I promise we'll have a little bluebell there. It'll be good for you and you'll enjoy it. I said a little bluebell. I'm going to have a lot. I'm going to serve you all a little. Amen. <laughs> Stand to your feet. You're incredible people and I love you very, very much. Turn to somebody say, I'm going to help the pastor today. And we thank you so much. Just before I get started, yesterday we had a memorial service for Heidi Broussard, 
the precious young lady that was found in the trunk of a car and was taken advantage of by people that are evil. And uh, her baby was kidnapped, and the baby was here yesterday, I might say, and I thank God for that. Uh, little little Margot was here in the house yesterday, and uh, the, the baby boy was here also. And so uh, Heidi was a member, called this church her home since last February, and the picture that was shown all over the news was the picture she made at our photo op place out here. Uh, on the 8th of December, we had just put that photo op up and she took a picture of that baby. In fact, she used to stand there just about weekly and turn sideways to show her friends her baby bump as little Margot was going to be born in December and the baby was just a few days old when she brought that baby to church and then later uh, it was kidnapped. But everybody's fine. Uh, Heidi's with the Lord and she's going to be all right. Amen. We had a service for her yesterday and I thank all the people that were here. We didn't ask for it. It was asked for us to do. And since we were her church, she had a funeral in Lake Charles, but we wanted to accommodate. And you folks showed up and we accommodated well and it went well. I love you very much. Thank you for letting me pastor such a blessed church of people. I'm going to read a text today. I normally don't read this much, but stay with me in John, the second chapter. The Bible said on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said, woman, ooh, my mama would have hit me right then. <laughs> what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother, like my mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six, there are six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's either between 120 and 180 gallons of water. That's a lot of drinking. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they fill them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until, everybody say now. now. Don't say last, say now. now. All right. This is beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. Turn to somebody and say miracles, miracles. happen. I love you. You may be seated. Give me a few moments. A miracle described in the dictionary is an act of God using or exceeding the laws of nature to perform humanly impossible feats to reveal His power and to glorify Himself. There's a time-honored story about a skeptic who was continually harassing her pastor his one delight in life seemed to be making the pastor appear inadequate intellectually. And the pastor bore these challenges to his theology and faith with great restraint. One day the skeptic was heckling the pastor about his views on miracles. He said, give me one concrete example of a miracle, the skeptic taunted. One concrete example. And the pastor had had enough and he just hauled off and kicked that skeptic right on his shin. 
just kicked the fire out of him. I have felt that before, I have to admit. And the skeptic was awestruck, and he was put on the floor, and the pastor said, did you feel that? <laughs> and the man said, yes, and it hurt. And the pastor said, if you hadn't felt it, it would have been a miracle. <laughs> that pastor's sharp. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding feast. The wine ran out. Mary turns to Jesus. They have no wine, she said. She didn't say son. She just said they have no wine. She expected him to do something. And Jesus' response was not nearly as abrupt or disrespectful as it may sound. However, he did put separation between he and his mother. He said, what have I to do with you? My time has not yet come. See, Jesus had this thing about people. His heart went out to the host of the party. He felt their embarrassment. He cared about their predicament. He wanted to do something to help. And that's the first lesson learned from the story that I want to preach today. And it's simply this. When you speak a miracle, the first thing is this. People matter to Jesus. Turn to somebody and say, you matter. And say, no, you matter. And say, yeah, we both matter. Has it ever occurred to you who Jesus did this, this first miracle for? He did it for a group of nobodies. There is no names written of men, great men or great women that attended that function on the third day of the week. No names. No kings. No rulers. No pristine people. Because if there had been that, they would have been mentioned. Just common, everyday people. Farmers, ranchers, merchants, housewives, young people, old people, middle-aged people. Not any kids. Just everyday people. Because in the miraculous, people matter to Jesus. Let me say that again. In the miraculous, people matter to Jesus. An English chaplain back in World War I believed life's basic question was, what is God like? What's God like? And a wounded man asked that question to him one day. Sir, what is God like? And the chaplain said, it's like finding the captain of a regiment or the colonel of a regiment and seeing what he is like and how he runs the army and what kind of attitude does he carry and in the battalion of humanity, how does he react? I preach today that the captain, according to Paul in Hebrews, of my salvation, the one that is the king of kings and lord of lords of my life, here is what he is like. Number one, he is a loving father. And number two, he does care for his people. That's why when you pray, you can pray, Abba, Father. Because God does not care about grandkids. He wants everybody to be his own kid. He wants every child and every man and every woman, boy and girl, to call him the same, Abba, Father. How long has it been since you've lifted your hand and called him your father? He is your father and he loves you and he cares for his people. Rejoice in that right now. Many of you here know that PJ, Patty, and I have have given all of our daughters away in marriage, even though they all still live here in Austin. 
we came here, they were all little girls and now all have grown up and become married and not only that, they're mothers. We have eight grandkids and wow, it's joyous. Sometimes it's really joyous and sometimes it's tremendously loudly joyous. <laughs> and people told Patty and I when Misty left, people in this church in 1995 to go marry her husband, they celebrate 25 years this year. That there's still four at home, Pastor. You still have four at home. You still have two fine daughters that are still with you. There's still plenty of noise, Pastor. Plenty of games. Plenty of responsibilities. Plenty of laughter. Plenty of song. Everything. Everything except Misty. Everything except Misty. And in parental math, folks, five minus one just doesn't equal plenty. When one is missing... It's not plenty. Let's talk about the Lord. He has plenty of children. There's people around the world that are devout Christians. He has plenty of artists. There's plenty of singers. I've never heard such singing like I hear in the religious world today, Christian world. There's plenty of carpenters. There's plenty of attorneys. There's plenty of doctors. There's plenty of people that make life work. There's plenty of candlestick makers. There's plenty of preachers. Plenty of everybody except maybe you. And all of them together can never take your place. Because everyone, not just some people, but everybody matters to Jesus. And if you're sitting in the sound of my voice today, I'm telling you with a trembling heart and a, and a, and a, and a conviction in my spirit that if you haven't made that decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ, there's no sense in waiting until next year or next month or the end of the summer. Why don't you start your first of the year today saying, I surrender myself to you. Because you see, a first of the year brings first of the year feelings and you're in the house of God. And God is missing you and he's pushing you a little bit right now. And it's because he's missing you at the table. Try to forgive him, but he wants you in the house. Would you clap your hands and say, I want to be in the house with you, Pastor? The people at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee mattered. Jesus cared that his host were in this predicament. Therefore, he went into action, and you know the story. Nearby stood six stone water jars and the kind used for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water to the brim. And then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. One man wrote it this way, unconscious water looked up at its creator and blushed. And he called the bridegroom aside. He said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. Then when they bring out the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best, watch this now, till now. Till now. Can I declare to this congregation, our best days are not behind us. Let me say it again. Our best days are not behind us. And our best days are not five years in front of us. Our best days are right now. Our best days are right now. Jesus said now faith. It's now faith. It's not tomorrow faith. It's not past faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of, of things not seen. 
The day of salvation is now. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. The day that you're living in right now is the now that God is talking about. He wants you to have the greatest Sunday that you could ever imagine in your life. And don't worry about tomorrow until tomorrow gets here. Then he'll let your Monday be the best Monday you've ever had. Because when you choose to follow him, you'll find every day is a great day. Because it's the now God that is working in our lives. Why did he perform it? Because people matter. And then I want to discuss some things with you now. My second point, and it's the title of my message today, Miracles Happen. Say it to somebody, say miracles happen. See, there's been a tendency over the last century to soften miracles and make them acceptable to the modern scientific mind, and you know that. For example, the children of Israel, according to the new translation, didn't really go through the Red Sea. They went through what they call the Sea of Reeds, a shallow swamp-like area. So it was no big deal then when the wind came and parted the water of the Sea of Reeds, just a shallow wading pool. And Jesus didn't really feed 5,000 by some mysterious divine activity of taking five loaves and two fishes and blessing and breaking and giving to the multitude. He simply encouraged the young boy, according to the new theories, to share his loaves and fishes and the crowd was so inspired by that boy's example that everybody shared what they had brought with them, like a covered dish dinner at church, what we call potluck. And there was more than enough. You probably heard some explanations before. These attempts to explain the miracles scientifically may be an attempt to undermine the faith of the church in the last day. Let me preach and soften our stance and make the word more scholarly to the mindset of our times. Do you know Thomas Jefferson had a Bible that didn't have any miracles in it? He had all the miracles of Jesus cut out. Oh, he understood the words of Jesus, but he didn't let the miracles of Jesus affect his life. But I'm telling you, Jesus was more than just words. He was a miracle worker. He was a life changer. There are still people, though, who have no difficulty with miracles and with having ability to accept them. And what we look for, folks, is what we see See, I believe if a small wind could part the waters of the Sea of Reeds, why couldn't a funnel cloud come down and part the waters of the Red Sea? You know, somebody said, well, Pastor, it was probably the wrong time of the season, so I go with the Sea of Reeds. Well, how about last night or Friday night? How about your Friday night? How'd that go for you? We're in January. We got tornado warnings. We got hell warnings. We got flash flood warnings. I'm telling you, God can act up anytime he gets ready to act up. And if he wanted to blow the sea of, uh, the Red Sea apart in January with a strong wind from the east that was about an F5, he could do that because God is God. And he can perform when he wants to perform. He's a sovereign God. And this pastor is not going to preach to soften it, not going to preach to scientifically alter it. I believe that miracles still happen. And what you look for is what you see. Hallelujah. Tony Campolo is one of my favorite writers. He, he is on staff. He is also a psychology professor at a university in the Philadelphia area, if he hadn't retired by now. But he tells about an experience that occurred when he was a 14-year-old kid. His family was poor. His father was out of work and had Hodgkin's, Hodgkin's disease. And he was hospitalized, and his insurance was running out, and the family was distraught, and there was basic needs that had to be met. So Tony, at 14, felt the, the earnestness and the, and the heartfelt thing to go and 
make money for his family, he felt responsible. And he wanted to stay in school to earn his degree in education, but he figured out the, that he could buy unsold loaves of bread that truck drivers returned to the Bond Bread Company at 56th and Market Street there in Philly. And he could buy the bread for a nickel a loaf and sell it for a quarter a loaf. Smart kid. To restaurants throughout West Philadelphia. It was a hefty profit. And that, but there was a couple of problems. See, he couldn't pick up the bread until after 9 p.m. at night. And all he had was a wagon with sideboards on it that he pulled behind with his bicycle. And one cold rainy night, about a quarter till 11, Tony was making a delivery, he said. And he rode his bike over a pothole. And suddenly he heard this bang. And his front tire of his bicycle blew out. And he pulled the bike off the street and sat out on the curb. And he started to cry. 14-year-old kid started to cry. He cried long and hard. He was soaked. He was shivering and completely discouraged. It was a lonely side street. And no one to hear him, he cried out, God, you are mean. You're mean. Everybody else thinks you're kind, but I know you. You're mean. Kind would help me. Mean doesn't help me. And he got up and pushed his bike and his loaf of bread, his loaves of bread down to a service station down the street. And the station was closed for the night. It was very late. Nevertheless, he pushed his bike over to the air pump and tried to put air into his blown out tire. And it never occurred to a 14-year-old boy how unusual it was that the air pump was still on and the service station was closed. He was in a daze and he never realized that the air came out of the tear and the blown up tire as quickly as he pumped it in. He says he didn't know what he was expecting, but he just stayed there in the dark carrying out what he called a hopeless task. And he said, then a miracle happened. I'm going to have him come speak for us someday, and he's going to tell this story. He said, I realized that the tar, the tire, <laughs> that's West Texas tar, the tire, <laughs> we go to the far on tars, okay, <laughs> that the tire was hard. Unexplainable, the tire was holding air. He stood up, confused and happy. He remembered yelling out real loud, Oh, thank you, thank you, Lord. I'm sorry I said you was mean. You're a kind God. I love you, Lord. <laughs> and he made two more deliveries and then rode his bike three miles back to his house and the tire held the air. When he got home, he lifted the bike onto his front porch and locked it. The time was after 1230 now. He went to the front door and was putting the key in the lock and when he heard this hissing sound, sound, and he turned back to the bike and watched with amazement as the air quickly left the blown out tire. The miracle was over and the tire went flat. But God gave him an aired up tire to support his family. That is a miracle. Or how about the story in Southeast Asia? The day after Christmas in 2004, 150,000 innocent people died in a devastating tsunami. But there was a reverend, a man named Sanders, who operated an orphanage in Sri Lanka. And there were 26 children in that orphanage. And Reverend Sanders rescued all 26 of them and put them in a motorboat. And according to reports, and it made the headline news, Sanders headed straight toward the advancing wave of the tsunami, stood up in his boat and said, I command you waves in the name of Jesus Christ to stand still. Sanders said the wave stood still for a few seconds, long enough for the boat to get over the wave out to the sea before the wave crashed down on the orphanage and demolished it and all the kids would have been lost, but they were all saved. I'm here to declare he is a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. Can I get a hand from anybody that's seen a miracle in your life? Come on. 
Can I get a hand from somebody that's seen a miracle in your life? We have, seen, we have seen cancers be healed here and dried up. We have seen heart conditions be reversed. We have seen babies come back to life in this house in a mother's womb. I'm telling you that God is still a God of miracles and he's not saving his best work till then. He's saving his best work till right now. Miracles still happen. Clap your hands and say, I am one. God still does miracles. You know why? Because his disciples believed on him. When his disciples believe on him for the miraculous, he will do the miraculous. He wants to know. He wants you to know who he is and what he's about. Now, I'm not talking about frivolous miracles like, you know, I broke my shoestrings and I opened the dresser drawer and shoestrings. Oh, miracle. No, your wife bought them at JCPenney a long time ago. Don't worry about that. That's not what I'm talking about. There's a tendency, there's a tendency to look for miracles everywhere as a validation of our faith. Like the little boy that sent a letter to the pastor and he said, Dear Pastor, I know God loves me, but I wish you'd give me an A on my history test so I can be sure he loves me. No, no. You got to study for that history test. I had a girl come up one time, asked me to pray, said, Pastor, I've got this hard, hard test that I've got to, I've got to, I've got to pass in order to to get to the higher education. I said, have you studied? She looked at me like, yes. I said, okay, I'll pray then. Don't come in here asking me to pray for something if you hadn't studied for a test. You gotta study, show yourself approved, amen? Miracles are also a way of manipulating God. In the movie Patton, the general was planning an attack on a German stronghold. He needed air support, which required good weather. And he commanded his officers, go get me the chaplain. We need somebody to pray. We tease about ministry being in charge of the weather at the church picnic, but you got to be kidding about that. God has something better to do than to hear our prayers for good weather for a golf game. Our pastor prayed for the Cowboys this year. Well, I did and it didn't work. <laughs> next year, God, next year. We have tendencies to trivialize miracles, to look at them, to validate our faith, to seek to use them to manipulate God. And we miss the real significance of miracles. Miracles are rare acts of God for His glorification and for our edification. Somebody in this house needs to understand that God has miracles for us this year. We got people next door, but God has given us a blessing by allowing us to build a new building here. And this Christmas, we're going to be worshiping in the new building. That'll house probably 1,700 people in one session and not just 875. I'm declaring that God has given us a miracle even as I speak. Can you rejoice with me in that? God is a miracle working God. He's a miracle working God. Jesus warned against looking for signs and miracles. He, we cannot avoid the responsibility for making hard decisions by constantly looking to God for divine intervention. We must make our choices right. Besides, we do not live by knowledge. We live by faith. God does not give us absolute infallible proof of his existence or his plan. And the third thing I want to talk about today, and I'm going to speak on this just a little while. Not only is God loving and into people, not only do miracles happen, but Jesus can be trusted. I said Jesus can be trusted. 
by the same power by which he turned water to wine, Jesus can turn our lives, no matter how disappointment, sordid, or desperate, into something good. Yesterday, we had the service for Heidi, Heidi Broussard, the little girl. And we all wept and cried. It was, a, it was a sad day. The closure of it was a sad day. But the family wanted something here in Austin. And so we tried to give something good to her. But really it was about the people that were here. And all you folks that came, I thank you. But I don't understand men and women who turn into monsters. I don't understand that. Hurt children, hurt family, hurt friends. But I do know a God who can turn monsters into great people of God. He turned Saul around that was a church murderer into an apostle that wrote 14 books of the New Testament. God can do turnarounds in their lives. And I, I just want to say this, that if we don't have the miraculous, then we're just playing games with our theology. We need the moving of the miraculous in our lives. This prayer on, on Monday through Friday, this prayer here at the church at 6 o'clock, I thank all of you that are turning out for that and all of you that are tuning in online to pray at your house and pray at your home. We've had over 250 to 300 people cooperate every morning because prayer still moves God. Prayer still changes things. And when you ask, you'll receive. And when you ask and when you knock, He'll open the door. And when you trust Him, He will say, I'm here for you. Jesus never met a man that asked for a miracle that he didn't give him one. Everybody that asked, he received it. In fact, I remember a man named Bartimaeus who was on the side of the road and Jesus walked by. Oh, I'm preaching now. I feel good. And Bartimaeus said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus identified who he was and knew the power that he had. He called him the son of David. And Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. And Bartimaeus was brought to Jesus. But as he was coming, he took off his garment. Because not only were lepers marked in that day, blind people wore garments to let people know they were blind. And he took off his garment and threw it away because he knew when he got in the presence of the Lord, he wasn't going to leave there not seeing. He was going to leave there seeing. I'm declaring, I'm declaring that if you have enough faith to stop the Lord in his tracks with your prayer, you can ask anything that you will and he will give it to you because he is a God that matters and cares for us. I could preach till three o'clock today. I'm wound up. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm a pastor. I know the time. I know what time it is. God promised. I'm going to try to bring this to a close. God promised that uh, he was going to bless us with a building. He told me a couple of years ago that there was a great revival going to happen at this place. That this church was going to be a preaching point. People were going to come and they were going to hear the word and believe that miracles happened in their life. And so we, had, we reached out to a lending facility to help us and they said they would help us. And in all of 2019... We struggled because we thought we was there and we'd get another call. And even though we had sufficient funds to start our building and got permission to start our building, they, they never came alongside us. And I don't mind telling you, folks, I don't mind telling you that when I stood in this pulpit in 2019, many times I was broken. 
Because I believed God. I believed God was going to do something for us. That He was going to bless us. That we really had the heart of souls and people. Not just trying to build something bigger and something grander than the church across town. We just wanted something that would hold people that loved Jesus and wanted to find Him. And finally after an October promise in 2017 or 2018, pardon me, August, the end of August of 2018, or 19, last year. I'll get it right in a minute. <laughs> they finally come to the conclusion that the lending institution in San Francisco where the main body was said they're not going to do schools and nonprofits anymore. And they based it on what we were, who we were. And it felt like the, a slap in the face, you know. I've always paid my bills. My dad told me to pay the bills. You know, we've always been citizens this church has a great name. But we were just stymied. Ten months into it, we were stymied. And then a couple of board members came to me and said, Pastor, there's a Christian bank in town. Why don't you call them? And my thinking was, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'd been turned down ten months. And Brad and I had strained and struggled. And they knew we had the funds available. They knew that we could carry our weight. But just couldn't get the money. And this new bank, all of a sudden, one day, we called them and they called us back the next day and said, we're here, we'll help you, what you got? First of September, that happened. First of September, and I, I'm fixing to talk to you and you're probably going to get on your feet and clap when I get through with this. She heard it in first service. She knows where I'm going. That bank called us. First week, they got our, all of our stuff because we'd showed everything to this other bank. They got all of our stuff. We didn't have to do anything different. They didn't have our money. This other bank had our money, but they said, we're going to work with you. Second week, they said, we can do this. Y'all are capable of getting it done. We can do this. And all of a sudden, I started breathing easy, and I said, you know what? I'm just going to wait because we've been hurt before, and we're, I, I'm going to wait. The third week, they said, hey, this is going to happen. The fourth week, it happened. And the fifth week, the end of September, after being turned down for 10 months and saying that we can't do it anymore, a lending institution in Austin, Texas, a Christian institution that gets up every morning and prays at their bank and asks God to give them direction of who to lend money to, said we can do it. And in the end of September, one month in, we signed papers at a title company and we're building like there's no tomorrow right now. And this Christmas, oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be a new church. There will be a new facility here. Because miracles still happen. They still happen. They still happen. I remember, I remember telling God, God, I can't handle this anymore. And God said, put it on me, I can handle it. And God handled it. You know, Peter walked on the water one day. Randy, if you'll help me, I'm closing. I'm a pastor. You know, you know one of the blessings of coming here is you know what time you're going to get out. <laughs> pastors that are good pastors do that, and I'm a good pastor. I do that. I don't want, it's not only starting time, it's ending time, and I know what time we've got to end. We've got to end in six minutes. Peter walked on the water one day in a storm with the waves tossing because they were all afraid going across this lake and Jesus came as a spirit walking on the water and they were afraid. 
Jesus said, be not afraid, it's I. It's me. Don't be afraid. And Pete said, if it is you, Lord, bid me come to you. And the other 11 said, you're an idiot. <laughs> Peter, you're crazy. The waves, that's Jesus and you're Peter. There's a difference. But Pete climbed over the bow of the boat and just fell down and he walked on the word, come, just come, come on, come. When Jesus puts one word in your life, you can stand on it. You can stand on it. Come, come on, come on. And Pete started walking on the water. And you know when you start doing that and believe in God for the miraculous in your business, in your family, in your life, in your future, in your right nows, there's going to be two kinds of people that's going to come. One of them is going to be the winds of negation, the negators. The gators. They're naysayers. They're people that says, you know, it can't happen. We don't know what we're doing. Often the gators are family and friends and people who aren't trying to drag us down, but people who feel sorry for us and can't see the hope that we see in what we're doing by walking on the water in a storm. And when we start listening to them, the negators, the naysayers, who declare that we can't do it, what we're doing, we start to sink. It's kind of like the centipede that has a hundred legs and he walks fine until someone asks him, how do you walk with a hundred legs? And once he begins to realize how impossible that is, he can't move an inch. There's a lot of things that's been impossible in your life that Jesus wants to open up in your future. Amen. Right now, today. And the second are the winds of divagation. There are people who try to sidetrack you with all sorts of other concerns. They take our focus away from the solution. They start little fires out here and get us off of our problem or our situation we need a miracle for. And we, they put us back on the problem itself. As long as Peter kept his eyes focused on Jesus Christ, he could keep his fragile footing. But as he clambered over the edge of the boat, Peter hadn't been concerned about the path he had to take. All he wanted to know was how to get to Jesus. And Jesus' simple directive to come to join him was enough to put Peter on that watery path without hesitation. Yeah, he did start to sink. But Jesus, in his heart, said if he had the courage to get out of the boat, I'm going to save him. He's not going to drown. And if you have the courage to get out of the boat with things in your life and say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to go after him. If you start sinking in that journey, there's a Jesus that loves the tendencies that you've already shown. He'll pick you up and take you safely back to the boat and steal the storm. That's the kind of God we serve. That's the kind of God we serve. Would you stand to your feet? So stay with me now. So if you're, if you're in chemotherapy, if you're in a divorce court, if your kids are having problems, if there's sickness in your home, if you're an octogenarian and you have nobody coming to see you, you live alone and the postman and the, the water meter reader are the only people you see and yet you still get up and dress yourself and eat your Cheerios with milk in the morning. Just keep walking. Just keep doing the things that you know are right because when a pastor preaches what I preach today, I promise you, you get a hold of that. What you see is what you're going to have and you can have a miracle in your family, a miracle in your healing, a miracle in your future because God is the God of right now. Would you throw your hands in the air with me all over the house and reach up like this and say, I receive that, God. Come on, I receive that, God. 
I receive the miracle. I receive the miracle that I need. Come on, right now. You gave a miracle on the third day to people at a wedding. Can you bless me today with one? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, have mercy on me. Give me that miracle in my life. I want that miracle in my life. Hallelujah. And when you leave here today, I'm putting one more thing on the screen. When you leave here today, keep walking on the water. Don't quit walking toward Jesus. I don't care how bad the storm is. I don't care how bad the waves are. Keep walking on the water toward Jesus. There's a miracle happening in your life right now, right now. Believe it, receive it. Throw away your yesterdays. Throw away the things that hold you back and let God do something great in your life right now. Come on, clap your hands real big and rejoice in that. Hallelujah.